0: You know, it's interesting that um, you can believe something and you can actually believe it and you're actually convinced about it and when you find out, when you read the Bible, that it's actually not in the Bible, okay? And um, I think that one of the things that we have to be very careful with as Christians, uh, as a general thing, is that we spend a lot of time reading about the Bible, no,
1: you
0: know, listen to preachers and, and, uh, and it's okay to do that to a certain extent, but very often it ends up that we don't read the Word of God ourselves, but we read what other people think about the Word of God, and like that's where, like, uh, a lot of what you see on the internet, a lot of what you see on Christian TV does not apply to you. Okay, uh, It doesn't matter if you say the word of God says, it does not apply to you, because that is said in a different setting, in a different circumstance, that does not apply to you. okay? And uh, because you know, I'll give you an example. Many years ago, there was this teaching about that you are not supposed to have debt. And, uh, and it, 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 it came from a point where Kenneth Copeland, when he shared his testimony about when he got saved, that God spoke to him that he was not supposed to have any debt. And now, that applied to him, because when he got saved, he owed a million dollars away. That was back in the 1950s, so that's quite a lot of money. And God said to him that you you shall owe no man anything but to love them. So he preached that, but because he preached it on air, People in different circumstances in different backgrounds different experience they introduced a teaching that said you are you can 't borrow anything which meant that a you know a lot of people they didn 't buy a house because they couldn't they couldn 't take a mortgage because a mortgage is a debt, so which meant they were renting which was even worse okay and uh, and and it 's the same today, but when you can see a preacher from somewhere else and and thinking this is how it is, and this is how, but you must not uh, apply that to your life because the circumstances and the situations are different. Okay? You know, like uh, there's a, a terrible story about Pastor Yong Gichu that some pastors have read his book about how to trust God and, and so on, and then they came to a river and the bridge was gone because of a flood, and when we walked out and said, "No, we read this book with Pastor Jonkertour, and he said we can do anything." And we just walked out and we drowned. Okay, and um, and and I think that that's where the biggest challenge for all of us is that when you and I we read the Word of God, we must read what we believe, or believe what we read, <laughs> and not read what we believe. In. Do you understand? And it it sounds very easy to do, but it's very difficult to c- apply because we have a we have a a a, a view of this is what the scripture means, okay? And I have always heard sermons about that Gideon was poor and that Gideon was from the least family and that he was they were basically compared to today they were beggars on the street basically because Gideon you know remember the story where the angel of lord comes down and when Gideon he says i'm the least in my household and my family is released okay and uh, and in, so so if, so saying this so if you go to Judges chapter 6 it says here, and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this your might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midian. Have I not sent you? And verse 15, and he said unto him, O my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am released in my father's house. Now, I don't know if you remember, Manasseh was, uh, the, was the son of Joseph. He was one of the sons that Joseph got in Egypt. And when Jacob came, remember when Jacob died, he blessed the two sons of Joseph and brought them in to be his own. Okay? And remember how he did that? You know, he crossed his hands. You know, and when they came in through the cross, they became a part of the household of Jacob. So it's actually an image of the sinner. The, the Gentile that comes into the cross. And this is, this is the family that Gideon comes out from. And, and what happens is that Gideon, he's saying, you know, the, the angel of the Lord says to him, you are a mighty man of valor. And he says, you know, and he complains, where are all the miracles, where are all the signs and wonders, and all these things. And then the angel says to him, you are a mighty man of valor. And then he tells him, go and do these things. And, um, and then Gideon says, but my family is poor. OK, and, and it's according to what I also shared last Sunday about the John the Baptist, when they came and asked him, what do you say about yourself? OK, and one thing we have to understand is that very often what you say about yourself might not, might not be who you are. OK, as I, I always, as I said, I thought Gideon was poor because Gideon said he was poor. His family was poor, but in Justice six twenty five he says that same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Ashiva pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of his high with height, using the wood of the Ashiva pole, that you cut down off of the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Okay. Now I don't know if you notice what it says in these two verses here. Gideon is asked to sacrifice two bulls. Poor families do not have ox or bulls. Remember when when about the sacrifices, it talks about that. If you have a lot of money, you sacrifice a bull. If you, have, if you have less money, you sacrifice a goat. And it goes all the way down. Now, here, he tells Gideon, sacrifice basically two bulls of your father's herd. And I read in a, on a Bible commentary said that basically what it means, that if you have cattle at that time, it says the cattle were an important status symbol. In biblical, in biblical times, a man's wealth was measured by the number of cattle he owned. The ox in the stall was a symbol of luxury of having arrived. So he was not poor. But, no, but notice what it says in the next part of it. His ten slaves, servants. Now if he's poor, what am I? <laughs> First, he's asked to offer two bulls, but, but, but notice what Gideon he says, my family is poor. Do you know what is interesting? is that you can, you know, the image you have of yourself is really the biggest hindrance for what God can use you for, or how much God can use you. Just because you think you are this, that doesn't mean that you are. So Gideon, because he saw he was poor in his own eyes, okay, he, or he said that I have nothing and he could do nothing. And so when the angel of the Lord says to him, you are mighty man of valor, what he, what the angel like what God is doing to him is that we're living in a society where we measured by what we do. Okay, we, we tell people, we ask people what do you want to do, what do you want to do, what do you want to do or what are you doing and so on and, and there's nothing negative in asking that, so to speak, but God, and we do the same thing in Christianity, our way of looking at Christianity is also connected to doing, you know, you know, when, for example when you hear the word repentance, you know, the way I was taught repentance was always that when you repent, it has to do with something like you stop doing this or you start doing that. That's repentance. Okay? But God is different. God is not f- looking at what you do, He's looking at who you are. Okay? And, and so before you can do anything for the kingdom, you have to see who you are. So the first thing that God does to Gideon is that he has to change the way he looks at himself. Okay? If Gideon saw him as a nothing, therefore he did nothing. But God had to change that and make him see you are not a nothing, you are mighty man of valor. And yet, it was interesting that he can think like that. But it's very often to do with who do you compare yourself with. If you compare yourself with someone who lives on the street in Africa, you are wealthy. But if you compare yourself with Bill Gates, you are not. But it's all depending on where do you look, okay? And Gideon, he might, there might have been someone else who was wealthier than he was, his family, and that was where he looked. Therefore, maybe he said, "I am poor." Okay, so God had to change this first. So he said, uh, so he had 10 servants to help him. That is Judges six twenty-seven. His father was rich enough to have bulls. Uh, six twenty-five. he had more than one bull because he was asked to sacrifice two. Okay, so, so what, what, what is important is that don't trust what you say about yourself unless it's in line with the word of God you understand? And, and that goes with everything. You know, we. You know, when we were in the Chinese church, there was a the Chinese Christian church. In England, we have the Anglican church. You know, all name for English. You have the Nigerian church. You have. The, you know, where the ethnicity comes first. Okay, but you, if you, if you are a new creation. That ethnicity must never come before your Christianity. And if there's ever a conflict, your ethnicity has to bow. Yeah. Did you understand? That's why I never understood when people say, Oh, we can't come to church today because we've got family members who coming to visit us. Are we Christian? No, but we need to... Do you know what? You're just giving them the worst testimony ever. Because you, you're saying Jesus is so important to you, but you don't bother going because they're coming. Do you understand? Huh? You know, so, so, so the first thing we, uh, God did with Gideon was he had to make him see who he really was. As I said uh, the last few weeks, is that you are not a sinner saved by grace. It sounds very holy, but it's a lie. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. And now you are saved. And now you are a saint. Mm-hmm. Do you understand, that? Mm-hmm. You know that before we can do anything, God has to change how we we uh, how, how we see ourselves. We have to find out who am I really? Do you know that? Have you heard the phrase people say? I'm it's, I'm only human. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. You know, but we sometimes justify our mistakes because saying, I'm just a human. If that's how you see yourself, you're, it's a lie. You know, but when Peter tried to stop Jesus, when he said um, that about he was going to the cross, and Peter tried stopping him, most people would have said Peter was very loving. But what, what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did he say that? Because he considered the flesh more than the spirit. Okay? So first, Gideon had to change how he saw himself. You know, but in the world, and many, in many churches too, we, we've been taught you need to do this to become this. But what I realize is that no matter what you do, it doesn't change who you are. Okay, A sinner who does good deeds is not a saint. Do you understand? A sinner who does a good deed is not a saint. Because you don't become a saint or a Christian or a believer by what you do. You become like believing in the cross of Jesus. So, so like some people say, oh, this is a nice man, or this is a nice woman, and when they die, they must go to heaven. You know, don't say yes. Because we are we, not judged, or we are not saved according to what we do. Just like now, to turn it around, you are not a sinner, because if you are a saint and you, make, and you sin, you are not a sinner. Do you understand that? If you are a Christian and you sin, that does not make you a sinner. Because what you do is not what defines you. Just like if you bark like a dog, that does not make you a dog. Okay? I don't know if you tried. As I said, by me, reading rice does not make me Filipino. Okay? I know there is this saying that you become what you eat. Okay, but so, so, so it's very important we understand we are not, you, know, you are not what you do, but what you do will be dictated by who you are. Yeah. And So God is not telling you to do this. God is first and foremost wanting you to realize who are you. And most Christians that I know, they don't know who they are. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They, we, we, we still... Define ourselves from how we were before we were Christians. Added with an added Christianity to it, and when when I in James it talks about uh, in uh, in uh, in James one six to eight it says, uh, but let him ask in faith, not nothing wavering, for he that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, and tossed. For let no man that think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, <laughs> I looked up this Greek word for double-minded. And in the Greek, that word here actually means a double-souled. Not, you know, mind is, you think is your intellect, but the Greek word here is actually talking about a double soul. So, say that a man with a double soul shall not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, what does that mean? It means that if you live, if you live with that, I have my sin con- conscience and my righteous, uh, righteous conscience, you're wavering all the time and you shall not expect to receive anything. Okay? Renewing your mind is that you, your soul, that you get connected and you focus upon Him. But you get kingdom minded. Okay? But you get kingdom minded. Okay? But if I, but I like, if say I'm a Chinese Christian, you, you are double sold because you have your culture and you have your Christianity and you're trying to mix it and it won't work. Either you are off the earth or you are off heaven. So, really, what it is about is that when you get saved, you have to realize I'm no longer off this earth. My value system is no longer on this earth. What I can and can't do is not dictated by this earth. It's dictated by the word of God. Okay, A double-souled, that's why I don't understand that so many Christians are running around telling everyone else I'm so hurt and they hurt me and they hurt me and they hurt me. You know, you are double-souled. Why? Because hurt belongs to a, a person who is alive. You are dead. You can't, you know, you you can't feel pain when you're dead. Yeah. I remember I went to a, a cemetery in Canada. There was a funeral somewhere. I went mean, the whole group of people. They left, and I mean, they had to lower the coffin down to the ground, and they, so they had a crane, and they was lifting it up, the coffin up in the air. I'm glad the family was gone because that coffin was woo. <laughs> I'm telling you, that that corpse inside that. <laughs> if someone opens that coffin in 200 years' time, they would say he's really been mistreated this man because every bone would have been broken <laughs> I didn't know they had torture in Canada in like, it, it was just like swinging it it was like you thought they would fall off, okay, but you didn't hear any cry inside from the coffin, okay. We, you know we we, we have to fo- we, we, uh, bo- bo- the reason for why many Christians don't experience victory is not because we don't do enough it's because we don't know who they are. do you know that i i I just made a quick study in the Word of God about that every time Israel lost it was because not of their enemies, it was because we didn't know who they were. Okay? Because they didn't know who they were. That's why, you know, like, when we couldn't enter into the promised land the first time. Why? Because we saw themselves as grasshoppers. It wasn't because of the giants. It was because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Okay? It's not the devil who defeats you. It's you who defeats yourself. Because you don't know who you are. Because we bring this, this us into Christ, in our Christian life as we got from the world where are, are you not a Christian, are you not supposed to do this? Okay. No, a, Christ, a Christian is someone who has been born again by the Spirit of God. And then that will birth actions. But you can do Christian actions without being born again. You can read the Bible without being born again. No, reading the Bible does not make you born again. Okay, related Derek Prince, you know, when he shared his testimony about when he got saved, he was not a Christian. He was a he was a professor, I think, at Cambridge University, and I think he had one of Britain's biggest private libraries. And when World War II started, he was drafted into the army, and he was told, "I'm only allowed to bring one book." So he thought, "Oh, I'll I'll bring the Bible." I never understood that book. So he was a he he was a a British. uh, uh, you know a typical British uh, uh, studied at Eton, went to Cambridge, and so on, so he said that when, I w- when he was sitting there at, at evenings, he had his bottle of whiskey and then the Bible, and the other people didn 't really under- couldn 't really grasp it because of, it didn 't match but, he, you know, but what i 'm trying to say with that is that you don 't become a Christian by reading the Bible you don 't become a Christian by doing this or doing that or, no, you become a Christian by have you met Jesus?" Do, do you understand? Uh, you, become a, uh, Christ, you become a Christian by believing in he died for you and when you died with him. And when you die with him, you're also resurrected with him. Now you are a new creature. And that will give birth to what you do. Okay? You know, the, the, the main, I, I realize more and more in the word of God is that God is more interested in you knowing who you are when interested in what you do. Because once you know who you are, the doing will come by itself. Okay? The doing will come by itself. So that's why, like, you know, so, so Gideon, he had to be transformed first. Then I realized in Luke 4 that Jesus was the same thing. Jesus didn't start doing anything until after Luke 4, after his baptism. What what did he do? The first thing that happened was he found out who he was. This is my son, the beloved. And from that moment on, he behaved like the beloved son of God. He, He was not the beloved son of God because he healed people. He was not the beloved Son of God because he fed the hungry. He did these things because he was the beloved Son of God. So our job, our purpose is, you know, people ask, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? No, that's the wrong question. You should ask, who am I? And when you find out who you are, then all the other things will come by itself. But we focus on, I need to pull myself together, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, I need to do this. And believing, doing these things, then I will be a Christian. No, you become a Christian and then you will do these things. What you do will not change who you are, but but who you are will change what you do. Do you understand? What you do will not change who you are. But what you are will change who you are. So you don't focus upon doing. Focus upon finding out who am I? The reason for many people they, they, they sin and do all sorts of crazy things in our society today is because they have no self-image anymore. They don't know who they are. Uh, I think it's a huge percentage of, of young offenders in prison. They have all the same thing in common. They grew up without a dad. Okay? And in and and what happens is that in a family the dad gives you your identity. Okay? Your your self-respect. And your mother is supposed to give you the protection. These two things together. Mm -hmm. So if you have a whole group of people who have no identity, no self-respect they're not going to respect anything else. Okay? So 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 God said to Jesus, this is my son, the beloved. And from that moment on, he started doing the ministry. So our biggest challenge is we need to really find out who am I. We need to renew our mind so that we get the earthly out so that we can be spiritually minded being spiritually minded it 's not about oh i saw I saw an angel oh I had a dream or I saw a ghost or whatever it may be that 's not being spiritually minded. being spiritually minded is when you focus upon who am I in Christ okay that 's why i don 't like doing i, I don 't want to do counseling okay i don 't understand why so many pastors wasting their time on counseling. Because most of their counseling is counseling the flesh. Okay? You know, you, you, you cannot become a better Christian by, by counseling what, what is supposed to be dead. Okay? If, you know, that if someone has been abused or someone has been hurt or something like that, and they spend their hours after hours speaking to a pastor, oh, they hurt me and they hurt me. Do you know what? It gets even worse. You're keeping alive what is supposed to be dead. How do I kill it? You say, I forgive him in the name of Jesus, and that's it. But he's dead. <coughs> and now you can move on. Okay? So, 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 so uh, 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 James eight, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Mm-hmm. So someone <coughs> who lives with two identities, or a mixture of both identities, Do you know what we call them? Schizophrenic. Okay, or crazy people. And the the Bible says here, should not expect to receive anything. And so, so, so what James is saying here is, you need to find out, are you of this earth or are you of heaven? You can't be both. Do you understand? You can't be both. Just like when you move to this country, you can't live by the laws in your home country. You know, you go into the post office and speak your dialect, no one would understand you. Okay? Yeah, but, but that's what I said. Yeah, but they have no clue what you're saying. Are you complaining? Why didn't I get my order? You didn't order. Yes, I did. In your own language. You know, it can't work like that. And that's where the same in the kingdom of God. Many of times, we convert our culture into being Christian and thinking like, why is God not doing anything? For example, with prayer, uh, we need to have prayer meetings. Uh, we, we think that the more, me- the more people we're in the prayer meeting, the more powerful the prayer meeting is. Not necessarily. Do you know why we think that if we have a big meeting, we are more powerful? It's because we grew up in a democracy. Okay? In a democracy, it's the majority who decides. Okay? But if you read the Bible, the Bible says, I'm looking just for one. Okay? God is not dependent on numbers. If you actually carry on reading Gideon's story, I know, it's actually interesting. God says to Gideon, your army is too big. I, I never heard a pastor say, being told by God, your church is too big. Get rid of some. Send some of them home. Okay? So, but, but that is our way of thinking. And so this is where we, we, our challenge really in today, we need to really realize who am I? Do you understand? We, you know, don't trust what you say about yourself. Gideon, he said, I'm poor. He wasn't poor. But because he thought he was poor, he acted poor. Yeah. As I told you before, that people who have anorexia, in their head, they have an image of that they are very fat. When they look in the mirror, they see a fat person. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a friend when... When I came to England in the church, and he, he was mentally ill, not ill, but he, he had a lie in his head. But he thought that the police was following him everywhere. It was so bad that the dad took him to the police station, but he was so convinced in his head that he was followed everywhere. And he, went to the, and he didn't know what I'm telling you now. So one day, we got a knock on the door, and we were told that he hung himself. Okay? And you have to understand that what image you have in your head can be very, very powerful. Do you understand that? That's why you need to read the Word of God. Don't read the books about the Word of God. Don't listen, especially to all these American preachers on TVN. No, this is just Hollywood. It's nothing to do with reality. Okay? This is just a show. When we, when we went into Nelson Street, I, I never forgotten it. You know, remember there was a church before us in Nelson Street. Uh, this uh, African pastor there. And, and he was on TV. And one of the things we, we found when we went into it was all these signs. Where it said, look at the camera. Smile. Clap. Shout hallelujah. And no, it was all staged. Do you understand that? It was all staged. But when you see it on TV... You can't see that, you understand. So when you see it on TV, you think, "Oh, wow, that church is very exciting." Oh, this, is, not knowing, that they were all coached when to do what? Remember when we went down to Benny Hinn's meeting in Birmingham? When you looked at the TV screen, the meeting was twice as big because we used wide screen lenses. When you, I was sitting in a meeting when I looked up. Wow, it's not the same meeting. <laughs> so, so. So, so, don't, so don't, trust the word of God, okay? Trust what the word of God says to you and you will, he will feed you through his word, okay? But so, so a double-minded man has not to do with that. Uh, yeah, I say yesterday and no tomorrow, yesterday and no tomorrow. No, it's about that I cannot carry two kinds of souls. Either I'm spiritual or I am earthly. And many Christians don't understand this thing because most Christianity that I, that I, is like, it, it, it's basically just shaped into the world. There's no difference from the world and a lot of what we call Christianity today. I, know that I'm, that is like, I was looking for some worship music. I can't find any. But I, you know, I think it's horrible most of it. Because there is no anointing, there is a lot of people, but no anointing. Because the motivation for the songs is not because we have an encounter with Jesus, it's because we need to make money. And you can see because it, it's a performance. You know, if you, do, if you come from the outside of this world, you go into this and see, you cannot see any difference. You go into a concert with some band and then go to a Christian. There's no difference because it's a performance-based thing. It, there's no, you know, in the olden days, you know, the, the reason why many of these worship songs from the previous century, why, do, why, why have they survived so many years? Because it was broken vessels who wrote these songs. Do you, do you understand? It was broken vessels. There was a price that was paid for many of these songs. You know, like, you know the song, It Is Well With My Soul, There was this mission, British missionary where his family drowned uh, because the ship sunk in the Atlantic, and when he came to this spot. There was a price that was paid. And I'm telling you, the few that are good, you will find if you go into the backstory of it, there is a story, that, or there is a price that has been paid. Okay, but many of them is just mass-produced, and do you know who owns all these Christian labels? The world. It's not Christian companies. Okay, so but back to this, you are so, so the challenge is, the real question we ask ourselves, who am I? Okay. First John four four, you are of God, little children, and now. Uh, And have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, John says, you are of God, little children. You are the child of the living God. That's your starting point. Okay? You are of God, little children. And now notice what it says. And have, it's past tense, and have overcome them. You're not going to overcome. You have overcome Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, like, don't approach a situation as someone who is inferior. You need to approach every situation, is that God has given you the authority to deal with it. Why? Because he says here, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I don't feel it. It's not a feeling. It's something you need to know, that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? When Romans 8, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors yes. through him who loved us. You know, as I said to you so many times, you will never face something that you cannot overcome. Okay? You, you will never face something that you, that you cannot overcome. Okay? You are, so, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, so why are we conquerors through him who loved us? Why can you be confident? Because he loves you. Amen. You know, our confidence is, is not in ability; it is in His love. How can you be sure that you will overcome? Because He loves me. Okay, because He loves me. First uh, John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you know? A lot of religion preaches about the judgment day from a perspective of punishment. That's why many Christians are so scared of that day. Okay? Here it says there is no punishment. Okay? There is no punishment. Why? Because Jesus took all your punishment on the cross. Jesus took all your punishment on the cross. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. So if you have fear, it's because you need lack of revelation of how much he loves you. Okay, Don't focus on what you fear, start working on how much, uh, focus on finding out how much he loves you. Because when you find out how much he loves you, you will not be afraid. You know, like when I grew up, I—I I was, as I said, I grew up in Denmark, so everyone was much taller than me. But I had a big friend, and I, and I was not scared of anything because he was—he could—he could beat up anyone. I'm telling you, he looked like he—he had—he had an—he had an, you know like I had to, I had to have a football picture of it. I mean, you see, it, it just looks completely ridiculous. I, when we were twelve years old. He he was full size full-size adult as a 12 year old. You no, know, he looked, he's bigger than our coaches who are because you know, uh, he had some illness, so he grew way. But I'm um, boy, he could be, punch big people. Okay, and he was my best friend. I was not afraid going anywhere. Okay, no, you don't need to be afraid of anything when you know how much God loves you. So, And think about it. What is the worst thing that can happen to you? Dying. Yes. Is that so bad? No. You go home to Jesus. Amen. Jesus, I want to be with you. Okay, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> no, I don't want to go home. <laughs> it's like, you no. Know, that's the worst thing that can happen. Mm. But you're going to be with Jesus, so you don't want to come home. I thought you loved me. Oh yeah, I love you, but I don't want to be close to you. Okay. That's why I said, that the Rejoinder. he said like this, everyone who talks about Jesus is coming back soon. He does for them. So that's why I don't preach about that anymore. Okay. But there is no fear. I don't care what and who and how famous they are. Even if it's Christian preachers, if the sermon brings fear, it's not God. Because God has taken, de- dealt with that in Christ. There is no punishment. Okay? And God does not want you to be scared of Him. Yeah. Amen? Amen. God, you know, if you, know like, if you just take from a natural perspective, if a child behaves towards their parents as many Christians behave towards God, we will say there's something wrong with these parents. Okay? Have you noticed why do people always whisper when they come to church? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can be very happy until they come to church. When,
1: uh,
0: when they suddenly... I mean, you know, but, but, but the thing is, we, in these things, we have thought is holy. But it's not. God is not building an institution called church. God created a family. He he didn't say, my name is the supreme pope. He didn't say that. He said, my name is father. Okay? Not most holy father. Father. Can you be that? You were told, most holy mom. So, actually, okay. I do that at home. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, there is no fear. So, the way to drive out fear is to focus on, upon how much God loves you. Because when you know you are loved, there is nothing to be afraid of. Okay, this is where mothers are very important. You know, have you noticed? We have a saying in Denmark this child is so ugly, only the mom can love him. Okay, meaning that child can do anything and when mom will still be there. If he's a drug addict, or oh, he study pharmacy. <laughs> no, they can always, mothers can always find something, turn any impossible negative situation around into something positive. Isn't it? And so, so and with, with God, there's nothing to fear. Okay? There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, it's interesting that every time Every time an angel shows up and people get afraid, God says, that's great. No, he doesn't. He he says, fear, be not afraid, be very afraid. No, he doesn't say that. He he says, fear not. Because there is no fear in love. So if I fear... It's because I'm not perfected in love. It's not like a, it's not, you must not read this as, oh, that's not, no, no, I'm not good enough. No, you must read that is that there is more I can see. Okay? So you are the beloved. The most important thing you need to know as a Christian is that God loves you. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. No, when a baby is born, that baby can do absolutely nothing but is loved. Not <coughs> when we have to change nappies or they are endured then. But, <laughs> but you understand, there n- when love is not dependent upon what you do, it's dependent upon what he did. And that is so vital we understand this thing because of... We are are so used to believing that we are judged according to what we do. And not according to who we are. God loves you because of who you are. Do you know, your reward in heaven is going to be according to who you are. We say, oh yeah, because of the deeds. Yeah, but the deeds is a result of who you are. You get rewarded because you are his. Luke fifteen, he did he didn't give a small wing to the prodigal son. He gave him his wing. He didn't give him less authority, he gave him his authority. Okay? So so perfect love is to understand how much our Heavenly Father loves us. Amen? You know, that's where you need to ask, God, open my eyes. You know you don't need to know everything in Hebrew, Greek and whatever they have written the Bible in. You need to know first and foremost that I am loved.: Okay, You know we have a sport in Denmark called Handball. We don't really play it in England. I saw some attempts of it in England, but it's terrible, okay? but uh, it a, is a big it's invented in denmark it's a big sport in scandinavia and uh, on the continent and uh, and when I, I was listening to uh, to one of the really top players in the 1980s and he's a, now he's a coach and he said that the only thing he needs to learn his teaches players is to be you know have you know anyone knows handball he said, the only thing he needed to teach his players, if he could teach them that, he don't need to do anything else. And he said that that was that when they received the ball, they were in movement. Okay? You know, like m- people usually, many uh, no, you know because if they were in movement, they could do things. But as he said, but for them to be in movement is to make them secure because make them not afraid of making mistakes because if you are not in movement if you're not secure you will not move as quick in case you make a mistake do you know in the body of Christ it is so vital you know that we, 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 have, we have been guilty in the body of Christ but in the name of Jesus we point out what everyone else should do in Jesus name Okay? But what it had happened was that it is created an environment often where we don't dare taking bold steps in faith, in case we fail. Okay? You know, like, I think that one of the things that hurts the kingdom of God the most is that I don't know of any other organization, any other family, so to speak, that condemn one another as bad as the Christians do. You know, it's not it's not the Muslims attacking the Christians. We do that far better than the Muslims do. You know, Christians preach against Christians, have conferences about all the you know we we you know and, and what happened is that no one dare taking bold steps because we're not secure enough. Okay? Do you know what if you never make mistakes, you probably never tried. Okay? If you never make mistakes, you never tried. And it's the reason really why we are so afraid of making mistakes is really because we don't we, we we don't really know who God is. God is not looking for your perfection. Okay? He's looking for for you. Okay? So, so perfect love is to understand how much our Father, Heavenly Father loves us. So the first thing is, you and I, God wants us to be secure. Okay. Many of times you have to understand, we as Christians be thinking that God is secondary because of we have so many reasons for why we shouldn't seek God first. And when they ask, why am I not this and why am I not that? Because of just like with any relationship, if you don't spend time, it can't develop. Okay, you know, if you if we if we use God as an accessory, and so that when I can have a good life here on Earth, of course you can't build a relationship. Okay, the the biggest challenge is really to find out who you are, and our identity is: we are loved. That's that, that is our identity. Who are you? I'm loved. I'm the beloved of God. The only apostle who found out about it was John. What do we call him? John, the beloved, who wrote that. John, <coughs> this is the, Jesus, the the disciple Jesus loved. You know, I, I always find I find God, John's gospels the funniest. The, I no, I call it the army gospel. No, oh, no, no, not army, army. Okay, because he he, he he has to get in to the gospel that he can run faster than Peter. On Easter morning, he he just have to slip that in that they went to the, to the uh, tomb and I came there first. <laughs> okay, but John, he was the beloved. He found out how much God loved him. Do you know... Peter he bragged about how much God loved how much he loved God. No, he said Peter even said that if I had to die, I will do it for you. And Jesus said, before next morning you deny me three times. John bragged about how much he was loved, and John was the only one who stood there at the cross of the disciples you know that what sustains you is not with how much you say you love jesus what sustains you when you find out how much he loves you okay so i don't know what he was too happy after he found when jesus said take care of my mom john just saw the food budget go up <laughs> oh, no, but. But the thing is that in the world, religion, and you heard, Oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you so much, Jesus. And it sounds so good and holy. But that's not what it is about. Christianity is not about you proving to God how much you love him. Christianity is about you finding out how much he loves you. And you know what? Then it's not difficult to worship. Okay. It's not difficult when when your husband comes home with a huge diamond ring and say, "Oh, thank you." Or, you know, I I I, you know ever since we got married, I can't be bothered about gifts anymore. We get it's always for women. When you get a gift to couples, it's always you know. Have you ever seen a couple? And have you ever given a gift to a couple? And when you give him a drill. No, it's always something you can put in the house or so something decorations or something. We got a Christmas gift sent from Denmark yesterday. I couldn't even be bothered to open it because it says to Kurt and Yen. Oh but you <laughs> I think next time I'm going to give a gift to a couple, I'll give them at will. To Estella and Jerry. At will. <laughs> okay? No, but now, it is such a huge need and it's so basic that many people that I know in the ministry, they're doing all the things in ministry to show that they love Jesus. And Jesus don't want you to do that. He wants you to know how much he loves you. So when you don't do things to prove your love, you do things because you know you are loved. Amen. You know, like when I was young, last year, when I, the few times I did the dishes at home, okay, do you know, my mom never came, came and said, oh, wonderful. She said, what do you want? <laughs> he wants something, you know. Because I did so-called good deeds to gain. You know but many of us, we've been taught to love Jesus, to gain his love. That's the wrong way around. Yeah. We already got it. Even if you smell a pig, he will still come and kiss you. <laughs> hug you, embrace you. Even if you, I think the worst job must be to work in a fish and chip shop. Well, you, you will smell a fish and chips for a whole week, salt and vinegar. No, no perfume. If you can invent a perfume that can neutralize salt and vinegar smell, you will be a billionaire. Okay? No, he don't care. You know but the Christianity the devil have turned it upside down. So he makes us do, 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 do. And you're you not a Christian? And you know it sounds good. But our doing comes from knowing who we are. Okay? So so, perfect love is to understand how much we are love. People are looking for purpose, okay? But don't look for purpose. That's because it's again the doing. You know, I don't know how it is in England, but in Denmark, now it's probably so lazy now, so we don't do it anymore. But uh, it, you know, I, there was often that people, when they retired, they died shortly after. Because the moment they, di- uh, they lost that uh, they retired from a job, they lost their purpose, mm. so to speak, or identity. Okay? Mm. But and that's the world thing. You know, but, we, we, you, but you see the same thing in the body of Christ where we we might not call them Mr. the mechanic or something like that, but it's the uh, bishop, this that and the other and that becomes their purpose. Their, their t- no, the purpose in your life is to find out who you are. Mm. You are not what you do. Okay? Think about when you stop as a nurse. Now I'm not a nurse. Who am I now? You are God's beloved. Okay? You're God. that's, that's our identity. So, what we should be looking for is our identity our identity. Our job is to tell people who they really are. Our job is to tell them who they really are. Our job is not to tell them that, oh, you're terrible. Pull yourself together. That's not our job. Our job is to tell them, God loves you. Okay? God loves you despite of who you are. You know, my, my dear friend who has passed away now, I told you about him a few times. You no, know, he always said, I'm a former alcoholic. You know what? He kept saying that. And he will always be a former alcoholic. And he died. You know, he, he got so discouraged at one stage and then he started digging. And then now he's gone. But the problem with it was when, when he was sober for many, many years, he still held on to his old identity. And he just said, no, 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 I'm God's beloved. Do you know that have you ever tried to stop doing something? Have you noticed how difficult it is to stop doing it? Don't stop trying to stop doing it. Start focusing upon him. Okay? Start focusing upon him. I'm telling you, if you ask, oh God, I want to be more patient, you know, you, you, you meet the next five most annoying people within the next ten minutes. Oh God, I want to be more forgiving. And when someone takes your seat in the bus in the morning. Or <laughs> whatever it may be, you know. You know, you always meet and but that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is focus when you focus upon him, you get absorbed by him. And all the other things just falls off you. Amen. Do you understand? You just focus upon him. Have you ever noticed that when you look at water and you're waiting for it to boil, it never starts boiling. And you, you, you even give him the eyes. Okay? It doesn't work. That's just, I, I believe it's such a need of the, that when you find out who you really are, the devil cannot rob anything from you. Okay? But many of us are like Gideon. Oh, we are poor. We have nothing. We are released. Uh, everyone is far better than us. How do I know? Just look at Facebook. Everyone is happy on Facebook. Everyone is young on Facebook. Everyone, <laughs> everyone is slim on Facebook. Anyway, it's just incredible. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that everyone is just actually? I found this funny in a Danish newspaper yesterday. That you could put in your height and what and uh, and, and then what your what your weight what your average weight will be in America with that. I felt really good afterwards. <laughs>
1: Oh wow,
0: wow. <laughs> That was brilliant now you all going home to Google for <laughs> you No know, like I told you if you if you struggle with weight just move to America
1: <laughs>
0: Because my friend he moved from extra large to medium But just by moving country Okay it's not that he got f- thinner, it was just like it's a complete different sizes. Okay? Anyway, so, so our real identity is But you are an overcomer. I am the beloved. I am the beloved. You need to keep saying that to you. When you are afraid of something, why, why do you think you can overcome it? Because God loves me. Because God loves me. You know that, oh no, I'm ahead of you, it will come later. So there is no perfect love, no, perfect It's not what you want to do, but what do you want to be that is important. Being will dictate your doing, okay? Doing will not dictate your being. I will be the beloved of God. Focus on that thing, okay? You and I, we can't receive beyond how big we are on the inside. Okay? Because of, if you are not secure in the love of God, there will be something in you that will feel you're not worthy of receiving it. So now you have to earn it. Okay, So how do we try to earn it? Through we praying, We prayed through. Oh, I really prayed for this thing. But what are we saying? We're saying, I'm trying to earn it through my religious deeds. Why do I do that? Because I don't feel that I'm worthy in myself just to receive it. So what? I try to earn it through prayer, religious exercise. or oh, I fasted 10 days. or whatever. Now I'm not saying fasting is wrong. do it, but not doing to gain.
1: Okay.
0: So So you cannot go further than you are on the inside, okay? The way we see ourselves, Do you know, that's the secret with King David. Second Samuel five twelve, it says, and David realized that the Lord has established him as king over Israel. And David realized, you know, Abed, he was king before, but suddenly, in the king, this moment, he realized, I am king. I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm king. Okay. But up until then maybe he did things because he thought this is what a king do. So I better do this. But when he realized it become not something that he is doing, it became something that he is. So he never made decisions as a shepherd anymore. Now he was the king. I'm the king. Who are you? king? King, Amen. You, so he realized it became a part of him. You know, women is different when we're pregnant; They have nine months to prepare for it. Okay, men is a different thing. You know, when Matthew was born, yeah, you know, if you ask me, yeah, I would say I was a dad, but it was not a part of who I am, so to speak. It was still outside of me. It was something that I did, and I can remember there was one evening, suddenly, it just, it was maybe a week or two later, that's where it dawned on me. Okay? That's where it dawned on me. I'm I'm a father. Up until then, it was something that was outside of me. And the same thing is that we, You and I, we have to come to this place where we realize, I am loved. Not just in words, right outside of us, but it must become such a big part of who we are. The only prayer you need to ask God to reveal to you is, Jesus, show me how, bel- how loved I am. Amen? You know, you know. Jesus, if you if you know, you know if you were so loved, you know. Think of, we should know the story about John, uh, the beloved. We uh, tried to kill him. The way we tried to kill him was we put him into a big bowl of boiling oil, and he couldn't touch him. That's why he ended up on the Isle of Patmos, because we couldn't kill him. Why? Because he was so sure he was the beloved. And God's, because he rested in God's love, he was protected. Okay? He was so protected. So David, he realized it must be a part of your inner being. Who are you? I'm the beloved of God. I'm God's favorite. Okay? This is the biggest challenge, because if the devil can put doubt about that in you, he can defeat you. How does he defeat you? He tries to get you over into works to prove things. Okay? In Luke 4, he says, If you are the Son of God, make these stones to bread. If you are, he, what did he question? He questioned his identity. Okay? He questioned his identity. And but the way that he so what he did was he wanted Jesus to prove who he is, but Jesus knew if you know who you are, you don't need to prove. As a told you don't. There's only one group of people who say they're normal. Okay. Hello, my name is, and I'm normal. Okay. Okay. It's like, but, but, but you know you don't you know a dog does not running around saying I'm a dog you understand? I'm, I'm a dog. It doesn't do that. And, and the same thing is that when you start finding out, like David, he, now he realized, it dawned on him. He, he perceived that God has made him king over Israel. It was not David who took it. Now it, it was something that was given. When you realize that God has given you his kingdom, when God has given you his love for you, not as a, as a reward, but as a gift. Okay. King Saul never understood that. He never got to that point. King Saul never realized God had made him king. Okay, He never realized that. And that's why King Saul, at the end of it, it just went the wrong way. You and I, we need to be, we, we don't need to focus upon this and knowing that, and all you need to know, how beloved you are. Okay? David knew by now that lot had confirmed him, and from that moment on, he behaved like a king. No, he acted like king. He was the king. The moment you realize you are the beloved, everything else in your, in your whole life will start changing. You will not act like someone who's trying to be loved. You will act like someone who are loved. What is one of the benefits of being loved? Security. You, you, you don't need to worry. Why? Because you are loved. And he will look after you. He will take care of you. Okay? The, the children don't wake stay awake all night thinking about how do we pay your mortgage. Okay. <laughs> they don't think like that. So repentance has to do with, when the Bible talks about repentance, it's really to do with that you need to get, you need to get your mind back on being spiritually minded. I am the beloved. Think about that. You, you, all you need to do is just live a life knowing, pursuing, finding out how much you are loved. And that's all that you need to do and everything else will come by itself. Okay? What was the powder? So don't have any kind of uh, uh, what can say worries? Okay, f- f- think about one thing: how much I'm loved. You know the prayer in Ephesians. You know, just don't. You know, it talks about wisdom, and, and we you know uh, we should pray for wisdom and so on. That's fine, but pray foremost about Jesus. Reveal how much I'm loved, because. A lot of his preaching today is about you need to earn it. How can God love you if you do this, that, or have done that, or whatever. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you so much. Okay. Now, when Gideon, he um, he realized, he found out who he was. It says later on that uh, in the same chapter that um, that he blows with ram's horn. Okay. Let's see if we can find it here. Yeah. So in Judges six thirty-four, it says, "When the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abisharites to follow him." When know this sounds very similar to Luke four eighteen, "The spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the sick and so on." Here. When, the, when Gideon realized how loved he is, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. In the Hebrew, here uh, it actually say uh, the way it can, we should be understood is that it's like that Gideon and the Holy Spirit get connected like com, like a hand in a glove. Okay. Do you know? But if you want to be anointed, find out how much you are loved. Okay? If you want to be a un- so So when the Spirit of Lord came upon Gideon, he blew a trumpet. Now, remember what the trumpet is. It's a shofar. It's a ram's horn. This ram's horn is an image of the gospel. So when he blew the... You know, so what brought the, the, the tribes of Israel together? The message of the gospel. The good news restoration, hope, redemption but not only that Gideon became the message because Gideon got redeemed himself. Before he met the angel of the Lord he saw himself as a nobody. He saw himself as a failure. He saw himself as weak. He saw himself as someone defeated but God redeemed him and that became his message. He blew out over Israel the ram's horn there is a God of redemption. And that is the message you and I, we, you know, when you and I we start realizing how much we are loved. You know, the wish for uh, the Christians today are doing a lot of charity work It's really a uh, result of, they say they love. No, it's because they feel we have to do something nice. The problem is that, that, that what we, the good work we should do is not first and foremost handing out food. The good things we should do is to heal the sick, cast out demons, and to do the supernatural, bring the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? But because we don't have pursued that, it's very easy just to try to earn it. Oh, this is a good person. Why? Oh, they give five pounds every week to the poor. So how? So what? How do you determine if you're good? According to what they do, no, you are good because Jesus had died for you. Okay. So, and we, I know this is not a traditional Christmas message, but this is what happened when when Jesus was born in a manger. Do you know What, what is fascinating about it? The shepherds. They didn't look at the animals. They looked at the baby. Okay, They looked at the baby. And now as I said to you before there was no wise men in the manger. I know all these nativity plays uh, it's terrible every year it annoys me when you see nativity plays there is Joseph, Mary, baby Jesus and a pig and a donkey or a sheep and the wise men the wise men came two years later. They didn't come on Christmas Eve. I'm telling you. Anyway. And, and, and the thing is that if you don't... Uh, and that's where you and I, we need to look upon Jesus. Amen. Look upon Jesus. Look upon him no matter what you're facing. If you have a challenge, look upon Jesus. Don't look upon your hurt. Don't look upon... how you've been let down and whatever, look upon Jesus. They didn't look at the smelly stable. They they didn't look at anything but Jesus. And you know what is amazing about it is that (coughs) they could actually see the salvation of God in a little baby. You know, sometimes you have to understand with God, everything starts small as a seed. And when it grows, Okay, when he grows, I think they say about that Mary was maybe about sixteen years old when she gave birth to Jesus. Something, no, at that time, you know, people didn't live that long, so they got married early. Okay, it's only now people who are in mid twenties they're still children. Okay, and like I was just reading, I was just watching this documentary about World War One that many of the soldiers who went to World War One they were fifteen years old. Can you imagine that? I, can't, I couldn't even comprehend it. 15 years old. And they signed up voluntarily. And they, they lied about their age. Okay? But this is, you know, this is, is focus upon Jesus. But, but with Jesus that came to declare how much God loved you. Not with Jesus, the taskmaster, not Jesus, the teacher, not Jesus, all these things that religion tells you. No, he came with one message. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Okay? Mm. This is the message. You know that, uh, there is this preacher who talks about a testimony where he, I heard him say it before, that he says to a drug addict, he didn't realize he's a drug addict, and he says, you are a holy man. Okay? And suddenly, no one has ever seen him as how Jesus saw him. Okay? And you and I, we, sh- we, we need to do that. We need to love people as how Jesus loves them. Okay? Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you uh, that your word will... To.